Thousands homeless after tornadoes killed dozens. The trial of Ghislaine Maxwell. Eastside residents say the city violated a court order to begin clear-cutting trees. And the Navy poisons its own in Hawaii. With these and other stories, I'm Paul Durienzo with the WBAI News for December 13th, 2021, Monday, December 13th. Residents of Kentucky are facing epic devastation as they begin recovery from a swarm of tornadoes that have killed at least 88 people, 74 in Kentucky. Across the state, about 26,000 homes and businesses were without electricity, including nearly all of those in Mayfield, Kentucky, where more than 10,000 homes and businesses have no water and another 17,000 under boil water advisories. Kentucky Emergency Management Director Michael Dossett told reporters and President Biden addressed the question today, where the unprecedented tornadoes, the result of climate change, and is West Virginia Democrat Joe Manchin holding up a climate bill in the face of that emergency. Joe understands. Joe, Joe has as much empathy and concern for these folks. I mean, he's been through some real disasters in West Virginia. He understands. Honest to God, truth is, we're discussing this. I've spent a lot of time on climate issues. And uh, I, I said we have to be very careful. We can't say with absolute certainty that it was because of climate change. So I'm going to be talking with with the Environmental Protection Agency, and I'm going to talk with other agencies to determine. In fact, matter of fact, some of it has to do with El Nino. There, there's a lot of things that we don't know for certain, and I don't want to say anything that is not precisely true. What is certain, it is one of the worst tornado disasters we've had in the country. And the second thing is certain is that it is unusual. It is unusual how it happened, how many places it touched down, and the length of the path. So that's all I'm prepared to talk about right now. In addition to the deaths in Kentucky, the tornadoes also killed at least six people in Illinois, where the Amazon distribution center in Edwardsville was hit, four in Tennessee, two in Arkansas, where the nursing home was destroyed, and the governor said workers shielded residents with their own bodies, and two in Missouri. The Federal Occupational Safety and Health Administration announced today that it has opened an investigation into the collapse of the Amazon warehouse in Illinois. Governor J.B. Pritzker of Illinois. So the Edwardsville community experienced great tragedy. The structural collapse of an Amazon warehouse with workers inside. Search and recovery operations are ongoing. We did not talk specifics about where the movement of employees were, uh, but as I said, I implored them to stand up for this community, to make sure that the families get whatever they need in this community, and they've offered to do so. There's about 150 yards of the building that were impacted by the tornado. The walls on both sides of the building collapsed inward. Uh, the roof of the building collapsed downward. So um, most of the weight of the building la landed centrally into the building. We had some police officers that helped pull people from the rubble, along with some of the workers from Amazon uh, that got initial people out. After that, it became a little more technical. We had some concerns about safety of our workers because the building was still charged with electrical at that time. In addition to water that was leaking, the main mains had broken, so water was pouring into the building. We also had gas leaking from natural gas. For numerous reasons, 
the warehouse doesn't have a specific count of how many employees were in the building at the time that the storm hit. So we're unable to determine how many may be missing still. And that was James Whitefield. He's the Edwardsville, Illinois fire chief. Before him was Governor J.B. Pritzker of Illinois. Meanwhile, not far from Mayfield, Kentucky, 67 people spent Sunday night at a church serving as a shelter, and 40 more were expected to arrive today. Organizers were working to find a mobile outdoor shower facility and a laundry truck, expecting many of the displaced to need a long-term place to stay. Volunteers were scrambling to meet more immediate needs, too, such as underwear and socks. Governor Andy Beschler of Kentucky described the scene at a candle factory that was leveled by a twister. Beginning late last night and through the very moment that we are standing here, we have lived through some of the toughest hours of our lives as Kentuckians. Uh, This event uh, is the worst, most devastating, most deadly tornado event in Kentucky's history. When it was safe to travel this morning, I flew to Mayfield. My first stop was that candle factory. 110 people working in it at the time the storm hit. There's at least 15 feet of metal with cars on top of it. Barrels of corrosive chemicals that are there. It'll be a miracle if anybody else is found uh, alive in it. And Bessler went on to say that it was the worst disaster of its kind in the state's history. To the people of Western Kentucky, we're not going anywhere. We're going to be with you today. We're going to be with you tomorrow. And, and we're going to be there with you to rebuild. I, I believe that this is going to end up being an E5 tornado, which you can have the warnings, but what do you do, right? Um, the homes that's it. If you haven't been down there, it... They didn't take the roof off. That's what we're used to seeing with tornadoes, right? That if you get to your safe place, you're safe. You get to the basement, you're safe. There's no safe place when you get hit by by something like this. It's hard. We'll push through all of it because we don't have a choice, and we're strong enough to do it. And that's Governor Andy Beschler of Kentucky. We'll be following the story over the week as it develops. Former Minneapolis police officer Derek Chauvin appears to be on the verge of pleading guilty to violating George Floyd's civil rights. That's according to a notice sent out today by the court's electronic filing system. The federal docket entry shows a hearing has been scheduled for Wednesday for Chauvin to uh, change his current not plea guilty in the case. These types of notices typically indicate a defendant is planning to plead guilty though nothing will be official until it happens in court. The court system also sent out instructions for media to attend the hearing. Chauvin has already been convicted of state murder and manslaughter charges for pinning his knee against Floyd's neck as the black man said he couldn't breathe during a May 25, 2020 arrest. He was sentenced to 22 and a half years in that case. He and three other former officers, Thomas Lane, Jay King, Kung, and Tao Thao, were set to go on trial in late January on federal charges alleging they willfully violated Floyd's rights. And prosecutors completed presenting their case against Ghislaine Maxwell on Friday after a key accuser of the uh, British, at the British socialite sex abuse trial testified that Maxwell and her companion, Jeffrey Epstein, forced themselves on her when she was just 16. Annie Farmer told jurors she accepted an invitation to the financier's sprawling New Mexico ranch in 1996 hoping that Maxwell and Epstein would help her with academic endeavors 
Instead, she said, Maxwell ended up massaging her breasts and Epstein climbed into bed without her permission. Three others have asserted at the trial that began two weeks ago that Maxwell recruited them to give Epstein massages meant as a ruse for sexual abuse. Maxwell, 59, is denied charges. She groomed underage girls for Epstein, who killed himself in jail here in New York in 2019. Her lawyers say the government is making her a scapegoat for alleged sex crimes committed by her one-time boyfriend and moved immediately for a judgment of acquittal after prosecutors rested Friday afternoon. Writer Marlon Edinger has been following the trial. He spoke with WBAI today. They haven't called any other conspirators. The other conspirator is the unspoken one, which is Epstein. You don't need two people for conspiracy. So there is a sense of that. But then there's also a sense on the other counts that Maxwell did entice and induce and coerce girls to come and commit sex acts that were illegal in the states where they were in. And that's something she did actively. The latest witness, Annie Farmer, testified that Maxwell massaged her breasts. So that's the crime that Maxwell may have committed. And then another witness, Carolyn, testified that, again, Maxwell had groped her and felt her. And so that's a crime that Maxwell herself committed. So there's a sense that it is an in absentia trial for Epstein, but there are also crimes that Maxwell definitely committed, is being accused of committed. Her lawyers have been very aggressive. Her lawyers are, they're very clever, I'll say that. Some of the cross-examinations have been brutal of this one woman named Carolyn. They were, you know, hammering her, saying she lost all the money she got in another settlement already, bringing up her schizophrenia and some of the symptoms, trying to discredit her. And for another woman, Jane, the first witness, they did something very clever. And I've been telling this story to everybody that um, part of her story was that she was poor growing up. And one of the reasons Epstein was able to export her was he promised to help her family with money because her father had died of leukemia and they went into bad debt. And... The defense asked her, well, isn't it true that you weren't actually, you didn't actually grow up poor, that you put on your music camp application that I've never, there's, nothing has been difficult for me. And she said, yes, I did put that on my application. But then when the prosecution came back to recross her, they gave the context of the question, which was, list two orchestral pieces that you've had trouble with, that you found difficult. And so she replied, I haven't found anything difficult in reference to the orchestral pieces, not for life. So they've been doing all sorts of stuff like that. Do you think it's possible they're going to find a probable cause to say that, well, she might be guilty, but she might not? We see like a preview of the defense's argument and all the cross-examinations, and the defense has been able to get some witnesses. That's why the government finished early. They haven't called all their witnesses because the defense is able to argue that they're not relevant. And at least two of the witnesses, Kate and Annie Farmer, there was an instruction given to the jury that the acts that they describe can't be used to determine the guilt of Maxwell because in any farmer's case, she was 16 and the age of consent in New Mexico is 16. And in Kate's case, she met Maxwell in Britain and she was 17. So that would not be a criminal act there. So there might be some counts they could joust about, but there are enough counts that I think she's going to be found guilty on. Some of the conspiracy counts, probably enticement of a minor, Carolyn, that's my impression. If you want to follow the reporting, it's at footnotesnews.substack.com. And that was writer Marlon Ettinger speaking with WBAI earlier today. The Supreme Court has um, refused to 
uh, halt a COVID-19 vaccine requirement for healthcare workers in New York that doesn't offer an exemption for religious reasons. The court acted today on emergency appeals filed by doctors, nurses, and other medical workers who say they're being forced to choose between their jobs and religious beliefs. Justices Neil Gorsuch, Clarence Thomas, and Samuel Alito dissented. New York is one of just three states, along with Maine and Rhode Island, that don't accommodate healthcare workers who object to the vaccine on religious grounds. And under new restrictions announced by Governor Kathy Hochul, all businesses in New York will be required to impose either a COVID-19 vaccine mandate for everyone indoors or patrons and employees must wear masks. Hochul on Friday said she was issuing the new rules because vaccination rates remain lower than expected in certain parts of the state and the number of COVID-19 cases being reported is on the rise. The mandate takes effect today. And workers stayed in overdrive mode at East River Park over the weekend, intent apparently on wreaking as much destruction as possible uh, before today's crucial court hearing. And there were more arrests, too, among the resiliency resistance. Three park defenders were cuffed at the amphitheater after slipping in behind the construction fence there. Police had initially just let the trio of activists hang out inside the fenced-off area as a protest wore on. But at one point, cops zip-tied the gate's doors together more tightly to keep others from getting in, and things briefly flared up. Officers shook the gate to get the protesters to back off. The latter shouted shame, while one of them repeatedly tried to serve the police with a restraining order to block the park work. Are you ready for the burnout? A woman on a bullhorn asked the police because crime rates are going to blow up in the Lower East Side if this park is closed. The park activists are still waiting for a decision from the State Court of Appeals on whether the authorities violated the order when they started clear-cutting the trees. Assemblymember Yu Lin Nu demanded the, the city stop the chop. Assembly member Yulin Nu yesterday at a press conference. And in more environmental news, this time across the nation's five time zones to Honolulu, Hawaii, the Navy believes that contaminated tap water that went to mil Hawaii military households came from a one-time spill of jet fuel last month. It was not caused by a leak from aging underground fuel storage tanks above an aquifer. Rear Admiral Blake Converse said Navy officials are very confident that the contamination happened on November 20th when 14,000 gallons of jet fuel spilled at the Red Hill bulk fuel storage facility inside an access tunnel that provides fire suppression and service lines for the complex. The complex supplies fuel for many military planes and ships that operate in the Pacific, and its use has been suspended. The spill was cleaned up, the military authorities said. But people have complained for weeks of foul-smelling water, and some have said they've gone to hospitals because of cramps or vomiting after they drank the water. 
He said it appears that some of the jet fuel was sent through the Navy's water distribution system that serves about 93,000 people, including those in military housing. State lawmakers have told Navy officials uh, that they've moved more than 3,000 families to hotels on the island of Oahu, and they will stay there until the problem is solved. Earlier today, I spoke with Ann Wright in Honolulu. She's a form, she's a retired Army colonel, a whistleblower, well-known to the WBAI family. She has been working to uh, for years. She said the uh, Army and the Navy, the military the Navy, were well aware of the problem, and many complaints have been made, and that the problem is much larger than the uh, military is letting on. We spoke with Ann Wright earlier today. All of a sudden, thousands of military families started getting sick on the Pearl Harbor military community housing areas. And it turned out that one of the tanks has leaked, ironically, who got hit but their own Navy families. We have been really pushing hard, uh, and as have military families whose kids, pets, have all been sickened by this fuel leak to get those darn things closed finally. How did people find out about this? How did they discover this was happening in their own homes? It turns out that it's probably accumulation of slow leaks that have been going into these the water supply uh, of the military housing area But all of a sudden, it took one big leak that finally the water itself started stinking, smelling, and you could actually see a fuel sheen on the water. You had a whole series, a whole number of uh, Navy families and military families, not just Navy, but Air Force and Army live on these same military housing areas. They were all going to the emergency room because they were vomiting, they had diarrhea, they had rashes. People's throats were closing up. Pets were getting sick. So all of a sudden, this accumulated to the extent that the senior leadership of the military has had to take it on, something we've been urging them to do for decades, but it took their sickening their own family, poisoning their own families that finally brought this to a head. These tanks you're talking about, they're single walls of the 1940s era. That's right. The whole complex, which really is an engineering marvel, of digging out a mountain to put these 20-story tanks, and there are 20 of them in there, that can hold a total of 225 million gallons of jet fuel. It was built in a hurry during World War II to provide protection for oil products that were going to be used for the huge numbers of ships and aircraft that were sailing and flying out of Honolulu. How come they haven't done anything to renovate and modernize these tanks? Well, isn't that the truth? And the tanks have slowly, slowly dissolved. So now the wall width of those tanks is only a dime. Big pressure, if we have an earthquake, a number of things could happen and crack one of those tanks totally. And then all of the fuel, 12 billion gallons will be leaked. Right now we've had leaks of one, one was 27,000 about uh, in 2014. And then this latest leak has been 14,000 gallons of fuel and water. They're really a little bit vague on exactly what it is. They say that this latest leak came from a fire suppression tunnel. Fire suppression means PFAS, which is one of the most deadly contaminants that there is. Did this stuff get into the Honolulu City water yet? Right now, it's controlled in 
two wells that only the Navy has access to. However, there are wells that the city of Honolulu has that are very close by. And all the wells go down into the aquifer uh, that serves all of Honolulu. We hope that the backwash from all of this is not getting down into the aquifer because, you know, once an aquifer is contaminated, you can actually try to filtrate the water as you pump it out. But if it backwashes back into the aquifer, we're really up a creek forever. That's uh, 400,000 people that live in Honolulu and the whole island that will suffer because they'll have to divert water from sources on the north side and uh, the east side of the island, diverted into the main population center of Honolulu. We have over a thousand military families that are now in hotels in Waikiki because they have no drinking water. They have no water to wash clothes in. They anticipate that maybe they'll have a filtration system up and running after the first of the year so that some of these families can go back into their homes. But it is an environmental disaster right now. Former United States Army colonel and diplomat with the State Department, well known to WBAI as her, for her work as a whistleblower. And NATO Secretary General Jen Stoltenberg has rejected Russian demands to rescind a 2008 commitment to Ukraine. The country would one day become a member of the Western Military Alliance. The remarks came out Friday after Russia's foreign ministry said that NATO should formally scrap a 2008 declaration to grant membership to Georgia and Ukraine, two former Soviet republics. Stoltenberg told reporters in Brussels, NATO's relationship with Ukraine is going to be decided by the 30 NATO allies in Ukraine and no one else. Meanwhile, today, White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki addressed a question on the president's commitment to send military forces to Eastern Europe in the event of an invasion. National Security Advisor has touched on, and I don't think we've tried to hold back from, there are a number of NATO partner countries, of course, in Eastern Europe, Eastern flank countries, as, as you just referred to them. And what happened, if you look back post-2014, is a lot of these NATO partner countries were looking for reassurance, were looking to plus up the presence there, uh, were looking for additional rotational deployments, and certainly that is on the table should Russia decide to invade Ukraine. Russia annexed Ukraine's Crimea region in 2014 while allegedly supporting separatist rebels in the country's eastern Donbass region. Russian troops also occupy two breakaway regions of Georgia. And United States Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin has decided against disciplining any members of the United States military for an August drone attack in Kabul that killed 10 civilians, including seven children. An internal Pentagon review concluded last month that the August 29th bombing in the Afghan capital didn't violate the laws of war and was not caused by misconduct or criminal negligence. The Biden administration acknowledged in September that the drone attack killed civilians. The military initially defended the bombing as a righteous strike and insisting that it hit operatives from a group affiliated with ISIS who are planning an imminent attack, who were, they said, planning an imminent attack on Kabul's airport where U.S. troops were conducting a large evacuation operation. Austin personally apologized for the bombing and promised a thorough review of the incident. But on November 3rd, U.S. Air Force Inspector General Sami Said said the bombing was an honest mistake caused by a series of execution errors, including communication breakdowns. But it's not criminal conduct, random conduct or negligence, random conduct or negligence, he said at the time. That conclusion was widely criticized by rights groups, including the American Civil Liberties Union, which says the findings failed to provide the victims' families with meaningful transparency and accountability for the wrongful killing of their loved ones. 
And that's from the news for Monday, December 13th, 2021. The news producer, Linda Perry, our engineer, is Reggie Johnson. From New York City, I'm Paul DiRienzo. Thanks for listening.